The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. on everybody this is bgn radio episode number 121 with me as always brandon lee gowden of bleedinggreennation.com i am jimmy kemsky from phillyvoice.com brandon slow time of the year <laughs> no days, no mini camp not a lot of news plugging along though how you doing you're not wrong i did some my fake ota notes for bleedinggreennation.com i feel like those actually turned out pretty well in terms of like me being able to do like a full post on that like okay. and some people in the comments were like how do we know brandon isn't lying to us now about other practices because <laughs> <laughs> right. he just made up all this stuff and that's a very good point everyone is now at my mercy so so doing that uh trying to stay well otherwise doing those cameo videos again you can check me out on cameo.com slash brandon lee gowton it's very ridiculous but if you want to do that you can and, uh, otherwise, here with you, Jimmy, on BGN Radio. So I thought, not I thought, this is Brandon, Brandon's idea. Brandon thought we would do sort of what Eagles fans uh, have to look forward to in the 2020 season, assuming it happens on time, which it looks like it will, by the way. I think during the offseason, just generally speaking, we kind of tend to focus on the negative because we're looking at holes on the roster. This is like in the lead up to the draft and the lead up to free agency. Because you're looking at holes in the roster and like team needs. So you kind of focus on, um, you know, what's wrong with the team and how they're going to fix it. And you kind of take for granted what's really good about the team. So in this episode, we'll sort of a positive look at the team. We'll kind of go back and forth. Brandon will give five uh, things that he thinks are, uh, you know, things to look forward to about this team. And I'll give my five uh, as well. So Brandon, why don't you lead us off here? Jimmy, uh, it is like me, to be on the positive side. A lot of people have said this offseason <laughs> that I am way too positive about the Eagles. So, <laughs> jokes aside, a lot of people have said, I've been negative. So, I figured it'd be nice to, to point out some of the positives. And the first thing, Jimmy, that I am looking forward to the most about this Eagles season, assuming it does start on time, as you said, what we got PA Governor Tom Wolf saying that sports are kind of open to practice now. You know, obviously no spectators and whatever, and still a lot of things to... A lot of things to happen before, you know, obviously they're finally officially back. But as you said, things are kind of trending in a good way. So assuming everything does start on time and there is this season, to me, it has to be the speed at wide receiver. I mean, that is something I've been complaining about on this very <laughs> podcast. No. for, mo- for Before you were even here, Jimmy, in 2018, pretty much every week, I think, I, you know, I'm not the only Eagles 
observer to point out that the Eagles offense was slow, garbage, boring, whatever you want to call it. It was terrible. It was, just wasn't fun. And we, we got a little taste. We got a tease, a glimpse of that in week one this past season, 2019, what you could see, like just how having that uh, speedy, dynamic, big play offense can make a huge difference. And we saw it not only for one the Eagles. Player. Going, Dude, it was yeah, one, one player. One player can change everything. And going back to what the Chiefs did, like in their playoff run, like, you know, how, like just how important it was that they were fast. Because they got down, what, to the Texans and they got down to the Titans. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they had actually pretty significant deficits in, in all three of their, well, their, their two playoff games to get to the Super Bowl and then the Super Bowl itself. You know, they had to come from behind in all those games, and they made it look easy. Yeah, and that's what you can do when you have players who <laughs> yes. can actually make big plays. So, I, you know, we have to see if Deshaun Jackson stays healthy. We have to see if Jalen Rager can actually live up to his first round billing and you know be this instant, immediate, uh, instant uh, impact kind of player. Which you know we'll see. The fact that the Eagles, you know, don't they're not putting all their eggs in the Deshaun basket this year. I can you know they can be commended for that. They they added Marquise Goodwin. They drafted. Uh, John Hightower and Quez Watkins as well. Uh, they, they they have speed now, and I think that's something to definitely look forward to. It's been sorely needed. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I mean, they obviously that was their that was clearly their number one priority this this off season was to add speed, uh, as you noted. I think equally important was to add some speed uh, at the corner position. So that's what mm-hmm. I have. I think it's a good segue from corner from speed at wide receiver to speedy corner. So last year you're rolling out Jalen Mills. You're getting uh, Rizal Douglas on occasion. It just wasn't a lot of speed at corner, and you saw the result of that was they gave up uh, 16 plays of 40-plus uh, yards on the season. That's including the playoffs. That was, that was the most in the NFL. So they were kind of like they, they couldn't get big plays on offense, and they couldn't stop them on defense. And now I think they're in a better position to do that because you got a couple of corners in, uh, in Darius Slay and Avante Maddox who, you know, they both kind of have their question marks, I guess. But the one thing you don't have to worry about them is is their speed. Like, they're both sub-4-4 four, four, uh, guys at the Combine when, when each of those guys went. Slay, of course, is 29 years old. So, you know, maybe he's lost, uh, you know, a step or a half step uh, along the way. But they're certainly a lot faster than what they had a year ago. And I think what you're going to see is those number of big plays come down substantially. Who would know that speed is important in the NFL. The Eagles <laughs> kind of a big deal, especially at the skill positions. Who would have thought? You're right. Who I mean it's crazy. It's, it it took them time to figure, <laughs> but it, figured out. It, out, so, I mean, but they, they, they eventually figured it out, but and they who knows, we'll see if like they overcorrected on that. Yes. But uh I I like where their heads are at this offseason and and making sure they they tried to fix that. Yeah, they're giving themselves a chance. You know, maybe yes. you know it's not going to work out right, but it's like all right, at least they you know they're they're <laughs> they're adding players who can run fast, so maybe it works out. As opposed to you know you're drafting these four six corners like Rizul Douglas and Jalen Mills, <laughs> right. and you kind of just you know, and same thing with the wide receivers, you're just kind of shot from the get go. Um, sticking on cornerback, Jimmy, going back to one of my things that I'm looking forward to. You mentioned Darius Slay. You did a great breakdown of him on uh, PhillyVoice.com. And Jimmy paid me to say that, so that's 100% true. So you, the check is in the mail, Jimmy. And But for real, obviously, check that piece out at phillyvoice.com. Darius Slay, you know, I, I was not in love with the trade just because of I thought they should have made a stronger push to get Byron Jones and not give up the draft pick. Just the whole situation there and then his age and then potential decline, like a lot of different factors. But Darius Slay, the player, like, I've never been necessarily out on him. Like, I, I've liked the talent. I think Darius Slay has been really awesome for the Lions. 
Uh, I have a friend who's a Lions fan, so just kind of following them from afar and, and always getting his perspective on Darius Slay. Like he always loved him. So excited to see that now. I mean, he's, he's obviously the best cornerback the Eagles have had in forever or a long time. I would put Asante over him. Okay, yes, for I'd sure. I'd put Troy Vincent over him. Both those guys were obviously free agent acquisitions as well. Uh, so they've actually hit on you know the big money free agent corners. Sometimes we all tend to really remember the bad ones, like like Namdi and Byron Maxwell uh, and others. But uh, they have hit on big names in the in, in the past. It's just been a while. So I specifically can envision him like having some really awesome games, like like a shutdown yes. game on let's say Amari Cooper. Now again, who knows who's covering CeeDee Lamb and all that, but I, I can see him totally just erasing some receivers for some of the games. And also another thing I can envision with him is something I feel like the Eagles haven't had in some time. Like when's the last time they really had like a cornerback make like a big play, like mm-hmm. a game winning pick, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Lito, like doing that uh, against the Cowboys or uh, like, I guess even yeah, I mean, Asante did it pretty regularly too. Asante, Brandon Boykin back in 2013, you know, like when's the last time, like, you just had a cornerback who like took the game away. Like, yeah, like, just, what, like nope. What, where would you rank the Patrick Robinson interception, for example, and on that season and in, in biggest plays of the year? Like obviously oh, Philly Special and and Brandon Graham sack are one and two in whatever order you have them. Would you have that top five of that whole 2017 season? Yeah. In a way, it kind of feels like that's where they won the Super Bowl. Like that was like you know that was like the this big turning point. And uh, I was like, oh, they're they're never looking back from this. And that game was iffy at that point. <laughs> yeah, it was. That, that <laughs> and, turned and then right they there. blew him out thereafter. But uh, when he made that play, and give Chris Long credit for affecting the I was just going to well. say, that's that's another factor there. Like, it wasn't just like an awesome play by the corner. And it, I mean, it was a great return by Patrick yes. Robinson. But, you know, the, the, the actual pick was generated by Chris Long. But, yeah, I mean, certainly they, they've kind of missed that. I mean, they had a ton of turnovers. They forced a ton of turnovers that year. And their ability to force turnovers it was down the last couple of years, and that sort of affected, um, or that's you know one of the differences between their Super Bowl year and the last two years, where they kind of eked out playoff berths at nine and seven, and you know <laughs> twenty seventeen where they just dominated teams left and right. So that so so what was your uh, what, what was the, your thing there? Just that they have Darius Slay in the, like a legitimate corner for the first time in a while. Yep, a legitimate number one corner who's going to be like uh, you know who can shut down some wide receivers which is something the Eagles have needed given how number one wide receivers have killed them and just can like, you know, make a big play kind of in the clutch, like that kind of thing. All right. Well, I'm going to go with something that I think we take for granted here sometimes in Philadelphia. The Eagles offensive line is like, it's always one of the best in the NFL and it will be again this year. I mean, even with the uncertainty, we'll call it, maybe we'll be kind in calling calling it uncertainty at left tackle. Uh, whether the Eagles go full-fledged with Andre Dillard this season or if they eventually do bring back Jason Peters, we'll see. Uh, but you look at the rest of that line, and it's awesome. Like, Jason Kelsey's the best center in the NFL. Brandon Brooks is, what, like top three at his position, right guard in the NFL. And then mm-hmm. you have Lane Johnson, who in my opinion is, I think he's like a top three offensive tackle. Like, forget like right tackle, left tackle, whatever. I think he's like a top three tackle in the NFL, and I think he's clearly the best right tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, just the right side of that line is so freaking good. It's almost unfair at times. And then, you know, Isaac Sayamalo, he had that horrible game uh, week two last year against the Falcons. And then thereafter, he was really good. Like, I think he was an above average starter, and you're only going to see him continue to get better. 
So I really like where their offensive line is, and we've been kind of spoiled by that uh, in Philadelphia here for for quite a while. But uh, it it always just um, they they they're they're always good as long as they they play the way they've been playing over the last half decade. They're always going to have a chance. I mean, just the way that they're able to open up holes in the run game, the way they can pass protect, the way that like the Eagles can kind of run their offense, like they put the, their tackles on an island, whereas other teams are always given like extra help, uh, either to the interior or to the or to the edges. Eagles don't really have to do that as much. They really lean on their offensive line to be really, really good and allows them to give a lot of different looks offensively. So uh, I'll just go with the old tried and true, overlooked at times because they're so consistently good, Eagles offensive line. Yeah, I was thinking about putting Jason Kelsey on here just because this could potentially be his last season and mm-hmm. like one last ride with Jason Kelsey, just him being such a awesome athletic center, such a unique player as you've talked about here before, Jimmy, who can just do things. Like you, you can actually make a highlight reel of Jason Kelsey, oh, which is not sure. something you can do with like most NFL centers. Right. And most NFL offensive linemen. You just don't yes, see it. That, sure. Like there's that one game back in the day. Uh, where Chris Collinsworth was just slobbering all over Jason Peters. I think they were playing <laughs> the Falcons. And we're going back like seven or eight years. Like mm-hmm. when he was just getting out in front of screens and he was mowing people down. And uh, like you can make a highlight reel out of Jason Peters like back in the day. But like I haven't seen any offensive lineman in recent years, be, you know, put together as many impressive plays as Jason Kelsey has just getting out in space and reaching, you know, you know, getting get like running down the field in front of like running backs who can't catch him, which is just crazy to me. He probably would have been a great fullback in his own right. Oh, we got a call here. Who's calling? Should I give him the uh, fax machine? I think you got to do the fake voice. Yes. Hello. Hello. This is an apology call. Oh. Oh. You've overcharged by your third-party supplier. Oh. You will be receiving a rebate check along with a 30% discount on your electric and gas bill. Oh, that's terrific news. Press 1 to get your rebate check. Yes. Do it. <laughs> yes, it's about the discounts on your electricity bill. How are you doing today? I'm great. You? Now to give you the benefits on your bill, please verify <laughs> your zip code. What is your zip code? All right, we can't keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how long you are going to take that. I, I always love the phone calls. That's like my favorite part about doing the podcast with you. Getting back to the offensive line, I did want to say that obviously there are some some concerns there. This isn't the podcast we're gonna get really gonna get all to that like we normally would. Just kind of you know the Andre Dillard situation, the age situation, Brandon Brooks coming off injury. That's the that's part of the reason like why I wouldn't put it on my list. But um, getting into one last thing here, Jimmy, before we take our first break. Five out of the ten reasons total, I guess, between us uh, that we're most excited about for the Eagles in 2020. I have Miles Sanders making okay. a leap. You know, he was. I feel like I don't know if we really forget. I don't know if that's like a, a football writer thing to say. We we forget <laughs> this player was looking really good. Like no one forgets, but <laughs> right. But I almost right. think like maybe because of like all the focus on wide receiver this offseason, like it's easy to kind of maybe not properly value, I guess would say what Miles Sanders was doing down the stretch last year. And he's looking awesome. Like he's legitimately looking like a star. I was kind of thinking back to this time last year where he didn't really even participate in OTAs. And I think even training camp early on, like he might've been uh, limited if I'm remembering properly. Yeah, I, I, I kind of forgot about that, but I think you're right. Yeah. So, and then obviously Jordan Howard was like the guy early on. Things really shifted once he got more playing time. You know, Howard was out of the lineup, and Sanders kind of built up some more experience. 
And I just, I think the sky's the limit for him. He's going to be a weapon in the passing attack in addition to being a dangerous runner. I just think back to like how much he grew over the course of last season. Like where, you know, you look at week two against the Falcons and then leading up to like week three or after that week two game, Doug Peterson was even like admitting to the media that like Miles Sanders kind of just needs to stick his foot a little bit more and be like, you know, take what's there as opposed to dancing around. And then by the end of the season, I I remember him like in the Giants game, like where he was just ripping off runs and he was just looking like no one could stop him. And now the Giants defense is bad, but still like he just looked like a whole new player. Like he he looked like he just, he grew. And I think he can, you know, be even better. I don't know if he's going to be the MVP year that he says he's going to have, but I like the mindset. I like him saying that. And uh, I think he could be a real weapon for this team, like just a, a real legitimate star. He cost me $1,000 when he went down in that Dallas game. Oh, it's too bad. I know everyone feels bad for me on that one. Uh, but I will I will note one thing on Miles Sanders here. So, like, at the end of the season, the, la- the last four regular season games where – because he got hurt, I guess. The last four regular season games where he played the whole game, he got hurt, like, week 17 against mm-hmm. the Giants. But the four games before that, so Miami, Washington, Cowboys, Giants. The Giants the first time. Giants first time. Um, yeah, so those four games, he got 91 touches in those four games. So that's, you know, just a hair under 23 per game. So that's like up around, it's not like quite Christian McCaffrey slash Ezekiel Elliott territory, but it's not far off. They're not going to use him like that in 2020, but you do kind of see how the season progressed. And obviously Jordan Howard was out by then, but you you do kind of see how Doug Peterson really started to lean on him. And it wasn't just that the running back position, like they had so many wide receivers that they're out that were out. So they kind of had to lean on him, but mm-hmm. uh, the, he did show that he can be sort of that quote unquote three down running back. And that was like, there were concerns about his ability to be able to stay on the field for all three downs coming out of college, because there were questions about his pass protection and he proved that he was fine there. There are questions about his ability as a pass catcher, not because like he was bad at it in college, but they didn't use him really that way all that much uh, at Penn state. So we just didn't see, like, we didn't know if he could do it or not. And it turns out, yeah, he's fine there too. So like he puts, uh, he put a lot of those concerns to bed pretty quickly. And then as you noted, uh, the early concerns about him, like bouncing everything outside and whatever, uh, he, he fixed that pretty quickly and he's a good kid and he seems to care and he seems to care about being good as noted, as you noted with the MVP comments. So I think he's a, he's a guy that kind of has his head on straight and is going to be a really good player in the NFL for a long time. He also only turned 23 earlier this month, so, you know, on the younger side. And another thing to consider is that, like, when he was this guy down the stretch last year, <laughs> he was, like, their best weapon. He was the only guy. I mean, Ertz was banged up for a little bit there, so you can't even really count him fully. And, uh, you know, the fact that the Eagles now are going to have more speed at wide receiver, like, teams aren't going to be able to key in as much as Miles Sanders. So, in theory, that should help him as well. The other thing about him, too, is, like, he's a really good – candidate for the second contract for a running back like normally you don't want to give the, the big second contract to a to a uh to a running back you know in, in today's modern nfl but he's one where you wouldn't feel so bad about it because he has very low mileage so like in college yeah. he only had no pun 276 carries in his entire college career because he was playing you know behind saquon barkley for two years and then his third year in the, in, at Penn State, he broke out. But he didn't have a crazy number of carries even when he was the guy there. Like, 276 carries, there are guys that have more than that in one season. Like, you look at Derrick Henry, for example. Like he had way more than that, I think, in multiple years when he was at Alabama. So uh, he's a guy that I, I think you can feel good about. You know, it won't have, like, this 
steep decline after four or five years in the league, he could probably have a little bit more staying power because his legs are maybe a little fresher than some of the guys coming out of college. Low mileage, Sanders. All right, Jimmy, yes. let's take a break here, and we'll be back with back our, the, the next five reasons. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on BGN Radio, 121, Brandon Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky, talking to you about the things to be most excited about for the Eagles 2020 season. Jimmy, it's your turn now for your number three thing. What is it? You know, people forget that the Eagles have uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. People don't That's realize true. that they have them sometimes. Um, but they do. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, but yes, they have the best uh, one-two tight end combination in the NFL, in my opinion. Ertz being the high-volume uh, tight end target. Uh, Goddard being the, the younger, uh, really no holes in his game. Good blocker, good receiver, can run after the catch. Uh, I mean, those two guys are just going to be... I mean, Goddard's going to be really good in the league, I think. Uh, Ertz, there's been questions of, you know, whether this is more fan driven than anything else, but, you know, should they trade him, uh, while he still has value knowing they have Goddard, uh, of course the, the team reportedly tried to extend him. I don't think they should do anything personally, just let him play, you know, out this year, uh, and maybe next year and then kind of decide at some point down the line, whether you want to retain him or not. There's no need to give him a huge, uh, contract extension when he has two years left on this deal. That's a whole other topic for another day. But right now, just heading into the 2020 season, you have these two really good tight ends. And then, you know, when we mentioned up top, when you mentioned up top, to be excited about the speed of wide receiver, those two guys are going to be, be the biggest beneficiaries of that, along with Miles Sanders, too, with teams not being able to park an extra safety in the box. Uh, but the, the tight ends are really going to benefit uh, from that added space to work with in the short to intermediate zones of the defense. And uh, I think you're going to see those guys have bigger numbers than they did in 2019. Yeah, definitely interested to see Goddard in year three for him. Thought he, you know, made nice progress in year two, especially later on again in the season down the stretch, made some big plays. Uh, he had that catch along the sideline in the Giants game. He had that amazing one-handed catch in the Washington game in week 15. Like he did some big things down the stretch. And yeah, I definitely agree with the, you know, opening space for him should pay dividends. He played with a bad injury apparently all year too. Like his, okay. he had a calf injury. So did J.J. Ortega Whiteside. <laughs> right, but you don't hear Goddard talking about it. <laughs> it's the, it's the, I think it's the difference there. Also, it's still produced. Yeah, <laughs> but he it was it was apparently a pretty a pretty significant injury that that he played through, um, and you would never know. Like he he played right through it, and uh, well, yeah, he got hurt week two, like he, he like yes. in pregame warmups and against the Falcons, he couldn't like, go mysteriously. Yeah. And they changed their whole game plan because he couldn't go. Like they, they had a pretty run-heavy uh, approach in that game, and then when he couldn't go, then that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, people forget. People <laughs> forget that that Miles Sanders is a running back and he plays for the Eagles, and they forget sometimes that tight, that the Eagles have two good tight ends. My number four thing here: Fletcher Cox getting back to form, and really just the interior defensive line generating a lot of pressure as a whole. But starting with Cox, you know, I just. I don't think 
he like I almost feel like he was overrated last year in terms of what he still made like the Pro Bowl and like he was still a good player. He wasn't a bad player, but he was not anything near like what this team needed him to be. And under you know there was some reason for that. He came into the season hurt. He had you know the the foot injury in the Saints game, and he didn't practice at all in the off season. Like not a single training camp practice. He only started practicing leading up to Week One. So like I get it. We saw Brandon Graham come off a yeah. season like that kind of in you know 2018. So like I understand there's a reason for it, but like but still you know he's turning 30 this year. Like and he's the he's what like the highest paid player in the team uh, other than Wentz. Like they need him to be elite. Like he. He can't just be good. Like he has to be like the one of the legitimately best like players on the team. And, and he, he just wasn't that last year. He did what his second lowest total in sacks. And you know, obviously sacks aren't everything, but still, like they just need more production out of him. And I think they can get it. You know, you add Javon Hargrave, you get Malik Jackson back. I think Hassan Ridgeway is even a good fourth defensive yeah. tackle. Like they have depth there. I think, you know, for as much as we might not love what the Eagles have at defensive end in terms of like just elite talent and depth, uh, they definitely do have at the interior. And I think, you know, there's there's some thought that, you know, they could just be really disruptive in there. Like they could be pushing the pocket a lot and really creating some problems and maybe making life easier on the defensive ends, kind of if you're flushing quarterbacks out and kind of, you know, disrupting the timing and everything there. So uh, looking forward to Fletcher Cox kind of getting back to like a dominant form. And just obviously him not having to play as many snaps should also help with that. He was a legitimate star player in 2018. He had 10 and a half sacks. He had 12 uh, additional tackles for loss. And then he had uh, 34 uh, quarterback hits. Like 34 quarterback hits is a big number. So when you look at like where he went from 2018 to 2019, 10.5 sacks to 3.5. 12 tackles for loss to 5 tackles for loss. 34 quarterback hits to 10 quarterback hits. So even if he doesn't regain that form of 2018, which is by far his best season, even if he's somewhere in between, that's still like a great player. Uh, but I'm with you. You, you, you want to get an elite player. You, you want, if you're paying a guy 20 million a year, <laughs> you know, you want him to be elite, of course. Um, I don't know if we're going to, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he can get back there. But uh, there, I think there is a question mark as to whether uh, he'll regain that form again. But I think it's a very, very good bet that I'll be a lot more productive than he was a year ago. What's your next thing, Jimmy? I'm going to go with, we'll stay with the defensive line here, the, Ooh. the breakout of Derek Barnett, baby. You're calling it. I'm calling it. Okay. Derek Barnett season, baby. This is like Zach Hertz's breakout. <laughs> his, his final break, his, his uh, final, like it finally comes yeah. around. <laughs> right. Zach Hertz was like the breakout candidate for like three years. And his numbers are actually good all along. Uh, yeah, Barnett's a little bit different in that he's he spent a lot of time hurt. He missed two games last year, which wasn't a lot, but the year before, what did he miss, like 10 games, something like that? So mm-hmm. he hasn't been super durable. I think when he has played, his numbers have been fine. Uh, last year, he had seven sacks. They only credited him with six and a half. Uh, he did have a couple forced fumbles. But there are, like, there are moments where you look at him and he's just dusting. Dusting is the wrong way to put it because you think of like a speed rusher. I wouldn't say that, but when he's just like kind of destroying, uh, the, you know, the, the guy who's trying to block him with, you know, the hand fighting and sort of the counter moves. And, and I think he's just a, a legitimately good pass rusher. And uh, his repertoire of uh, pass rush moves has improved each and every year that he's been in the league. And it's all setting up, I think, this year for him to take off 
especially with the added resources that they've put toward the defensive tackle position. You mentioned before they have Cox, Hargrave, Malik Jackson, uh, Ridgeway. You, you, so you're going to have a, a lot of attention paid to the interior of the Eagles' defensive line. So he's going to get more than his share of one-on-one matchups on the edge, and I think this is the season where he really takes advantage of that and puts up some decent production. The Eagles really need him to, not just like on the field long-term, this year, yes, but also yeah, looking at his long-term outlook, where you know he has this. They picked up his fifth-year option. He's set to make what, like ten million dollars? Yeah, a little over ten. And it's not guaranteed now. Obviously, only guaranteed for injury, but. They don't want to cut him, you know, ideally, obviously, but they also don't want to be stuck in a spot where where they have to pay him that money because, like, he's fine, but he's really not like, it's kind of like the Nelson Aguilar thing. Like, yes. they, he was kind of <laughs> get stuck where they had to pay him that because they, they didn't want to cut him, but he, we all knew he wasn't worth $9.4 The Eagles don't want to be in the spot where they know Derek Barnett, like, isn't worth $10 million and they have to figure that out. Like, it'd be just a lot nicer if Derek Barnett could kind of just break out this season and then he just sign into a long-term contract extension after this year. Uh, so yeah. So just in, in the long term and the short term of just like, they need him to be like, he's almost like an X factor. I guess you could label him as like, a, like a swing kind of guy. Like, yes. like him having a big year could go, I think like a long way for the, the outlook of the entire team. Like, is this guy going to be a difference maker or is it just going to be more of the same? Like he's fine. He's not hurting you, but he's also not like, you know, really moving the needle. There are a few guys like that. Like, I think uh, the guy on offense would be Deshaun, of course. But yes. If he can stay healthy and he can put together a, a good season, he's a game changer. And Barnett could be as well if he really takes a big step forward. But they also, but just on, on your point where they need him to, to be good long term, you got to replace Brandon Graham at some point, too. He's 32 years yes. old. So if you got if you got to bring in two new pass rushers, starting pass rushers, it's not easy to do. So it's a great you want, point. You want to make sure that Barnett is at least going to be one of your starters for the foreseeable future. So my final thing here uh, would be any kind of new offensive wrinkles we get to see this okay. year. And that could include things from the coaching staff. You know, the Eagles hire Rich Gangarello. I know Doug Peterson kind of downplayed what some of the Eagles are going to bring in. But still, you know, I feel like we're going to see some kind of wrinkles in some form. Um, it could also include anything the Eagles end up doing with Jalen Hurts, which might be nothing. We'll see. But just, you know, any kind of new ideas. I, I just think... One of the other biggest criticisms of the past couple of years hasn't only been the lack of speed, but just like the lack of creativity and some of the issues we saw with the Eagles, you know, getting off to these slow starts and the offense just kind of being boring and, and maybe not aggressive even as times as we would have liked to seen. Um, they're obviously one of the more aggressive teams in the league still, but, you know, maybe could afford to be a little bit even more. So I, just any kind of new offensive wrinkles I'm interested to see, uh, you know, the Eagles are bringing in some kind of Kyle Shanahan influence that actually seemed to kind of be a goal of theirs. Like they kind of seem to want to bring in like someone from the Shanahan mold. Um, like, do they start using a fullback more, you know, not all the time, but like a little bit more, like, is there any kind of that kind of new stuff? That's some of the things we would have been able to watch in OTAs. And we kind of talked about that in our OTA podcast, uh, things we would have been looking out for. So, but we won't really get to see that so much. I mean, maybe in training camp. So I'm kind of interested in that. Will, like, will we see any kind of new offensive wrinkles? And I'll go uh, even simpler than that with my final one. Uh, I'm going to go with just the coaching staff that's already in place. Uh, you know, the guys, it's the continuity of their coaching staff is, is, what I'll, is what I'll say. But more so than that, just the continuity of, of having uh, Doug Peterson as the head coach. Jim Schwartz is essentially the head coach of the defense. And then Carson Wentz is your quarterback. You're bringing back all three of those guys, three most important components of, of, of your team, in my opinion. And uh, obviously Wentz is... Pretty close to being 
top five-ish quarterback. I'd say he's probably in the five to ten range. And then mm-hmm. Peterson, in my opinion, is is pretty close to that as well. You can argue that he's a top five coach. You can argue that uh, Jim Schwartz is sort of a top quarter of the league uh, defensive coordinator. And you're bringing all four of them back, or you're bringing all three of them back for their one, two, three, four, fifth yeah. season uh, together in the NFL. And uh, you look at that and you, you compare that with the other teams in the NFC East. Dallas, of course, has a new head coach. The Giants have a new head coach. Washington has a new head coach. And you have that in a year where there's going to be no OTAs, no minicamp, some kind of bastardized version of training camp, I'm sure. And it's going to be difficult for those three divisional opponents to kind of get on the same page and kind of bring together 90 players uh, and uh, expect to have immediate results. So the Eagles are very well positioned uh, in that aspect, in my opinion. And uh, in better shape than, than most of the teams around the league, you know, having having an experienced quarterback. We can call Carson Wentz now an experienced quarterback, an experienced head coach in, in, uh, in, in Doug Peterson now. And, of course, Jim Schwartz has been around forever. Yeah, I didn't have Wentz on my list explicitly. I kind of was, in my mind, just loop, like grouping him into the speed thing I said at the top. Just the okay. fact that you're giving him actual weapons to work with. And I co- kind of covered it in Miles Sanders, too. Just, like, the fact that Carson Wentz has actual, you know, like, legitimate NFL players to work with now as opposed to like going back to what he was working with at the end of last season when like Deontay Burnett, uh, Robert Davis are <laughs> right. like taking the majority right. of snaps and Boston Scott is becoming like NFC offensive player of the week. Like, you know, it's it's just crazy to think about, you know, even if you have questions as I kind of do about what the Eagles wide receiver outlook still kind of looks like. I mean, at, at least there's some speed here. At least there's theoretical upgrades here that he has to work with. Uh, that should be exciting because we saw what he did down the stretch with lesser talent. And if he can kind of just hit the ground running with what he has from the jump. I mean, we, we've all seen Carson Wentz's like potential, like he can be an MVP caliber kind of player. And, you know, to have that is pretty exciting. So that's our 10. There's probably a few more things that you could add to that to those lists. Let us know what you think they are. Hashtag Brandon, what do you think? Hashtag. What Hashtag. Uh, BGN excitement. <laughs> yeah, BGN excitement. I like it. All right, so we'll do news uh, after the break. Not a lot there. Uh, not, nothing earth-shattering there, but uh, we'll come back and we'll kind of just uh, go over the recent news around the league, rule changes, Back and quarterback signings, running backs that have been reportedly uh, of interest to the Eagles for the last, uh, what, like seven or eight months at this point, Brandon? Yep. All right. So we will be back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio 121 for our final segment. It's Jimmy kind of teased before the break, just kind of rounding up some of the, I guess it's like a potpourri kind of category you could say here. Or house cleaning, whatever you want to say. Uh, so, where do you want to start, Jimmy? Uh, well, I guess uh, was it was Jeff McLean. Yes, he said that the Eagles. I think we already knew that they had an offer into Carlos Hyde, and of course, he signed with Seattle. Uh, it was, I guess, unknown previously that 
I haven't fallen all this that closely. It's just been those three names. Just wake me up when they sign one of them. <laughs> like mm-hmm. apparently they had they had an offer in they have an offer in to uh Devontae Freeman, uh formerly of the Falcons, uh currently a free agent. Uh so that is new that was new, right? Am I, am I wrong on that? That's did new already, and did they we already knew that. And then of course it, there's the possibility, you know, they, they have interest in LaShawn McCoy, but they did not yet have yes. an offer into him. So kind of a backup plan is how I read that. Like Shady's like Freeman's their hopeful target at this point, And like Shady is their backup plan. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah. He's like their safety school. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, just stick with the young guys. And I get it in the sense of this is a team that didn't give their young guys enough of a chance in the past. And that's hurt them. Yeah. But I also think they can't afford to add a vet. Like, you know, Miles Sanders goes down. Like they could really afford to have someone in there who can kind of help split that like main back role as opposed to like because like adrian killens might be nothing like some people are excited about him because he's fast and whatever and same thing with mike warren like those guys could be nothing they could be like sure like not nfl (laughs) players like you you can't just assume they're gonna be so i I don't mind them hedging their bet by bringing in a low cost vet I, i think freeman probably makes sense as the target first you know uh just because of his upside and he's a little bit younger i think he only turned 28 or is 28 Whereas, you know, obviously Shady kind of more on the, the wrong side of 30, yes. going to be 33 or he's 32. So, so yeah. What did Hyde get? What did he get? Like $4 million a year? Up to $4 million. And that's the same offer that Freeman reportedly turned down from the Seahawks, up to $4 million. Yeah. So if he's going to stick at that, I don't think the Eagles are going to sign him. I think they're right to not pay that kind of money to a mm-hmm. backup running back. It's just too much money. Yeah. So if that number comes down, then fine. Otherwise... Personally, I don't think LaShawn McCoy is a great answer. <laughs> like, I don't think they. Should, I don't think they should. I think he's washed. Probably. I mean, you look at Kansas City, and he didn't even have him dressed for the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's not like they. I mean, their their offense was loaded, but it's not like they have like this loaded backfield. They're running back. By the way, Damian Williams should have been the MVP of that Super Bowl. But I digress. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see who they sign there. I, I would bet probably at this point that Devontae Freeman is not going to have his price come down and they wind up signing Shady. What do you, how do you read it? Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of what realistically, like what they want out of a backup. Like Shady's probably more willing to take it that now, you know, because he's like, because he doesn't have the leverage. Where, where's his leverage? You know, he's coming off of this being benched in the Super Bowl and everything. He might just like be more willing to come to grips with the fact that like, okay, you know, I've had my time and now yeah. I'm the backup. And and he likes Philly. Like, so like, whatever, I'll go back to the place I like and they always like me there. Players coach and Doug Peterson too. So, you know, he's not yep. going to deal with nonsense at some other place. So fourth and 15, Jimmy, the proposal <laughs> that the Eagles proposed for an alternative onside kick did not pass. The Boring voting was... bastards. It's crazy. Why? Yeah. Why? You really want the onsides kicked the way they are now? Really? Really? And, and to be clear, they weren't even eliminating <sighs> the regular onside kick. I don't know if you saw that. But they weren't even doing away with the regular one. Like you oh, could so you still can do still do it? One. Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know why anyone would. It's the most boring play in football now. Like, they used to be kind of fun. But now mm-hmm. you have to have the same number of players on each side of the ball on the kickoff. Like back in the old, back in the day, like you'd ha- you'd have all ten guys line up on the one side, and then it would just be mayhem. <laughs> it's like, and but it was there were safety issues with that. Like guys are getting messed up on those plays. So mm-hmm. like, uh, they ripe and and just kickoffs in general were basically like scenes from Braveheart. 
<laughs> you know, so like uh, they rightfully made those plays safer, and then also you don't get a running start anymore on kickoffs, yes. which affects onside onside kicks big time as well. I mean, they're just really, really hard to cover to recover now. Now that uh, you know, when 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 the kick when the receiving team knows it's coming, they're just really hard to cover. Like it's still decent, like high percentage, decently high percentage when you kind of use it as an element of surprise. And again, like you said, you're not taking that away, so that still exists. But when they know it's coming, it's just it's one of the worst plays in football. And I don't know how you just don't like so like if you still have to tweak it a little bit, then fine. But the rule mm-hmm. like as proposed, why not? It's better. It's way better than what's in place right now. Like, do you not want to make the game more fun? Apparently, here's so. here's how I look at it, Jimmy. <sighs> the NFL is totally fine with placating Sean Payton with some BS rule that was stupid and never made any sense. And like they can do that for a year and making pass interference reviewable. But they yeah. can't test out this thing? Like, no, that's, <laughs> right. that's that's a bridge too far. We can't possibly do that. What yeah. like what's the worst that could happen? If it sucks, just do away with it next year. Like yeah, if, it, yeah, if yeah. there's a bad rec- like who cares? Like just try it out for a year. That's you know, that's that's like that's one thing I think the NFL should be doing more often now, and just in general, is like just try something out for a year. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Just get a they, do away. Yeah, with they, it. they did. That's what they did for overtime rules. Yep. Like with the uh, you know, if you kick a field, and that th- those rules are better now. Mm-hmm. Like if you kick a field goal, then the other team gets a chance to you know match or score a touchdown. If they score a touchdown, it's game over. Kick a field goal, then overtime just continues. Like those yep. rules are way better. Like back in the day, I mean, this isn't even that long ago, but you get the ball first, you go down, make it to the 35-yard line, kick a 52-yarder, game's <laughs> over. Like <laughs> That was horrible. And it was clear that like the new way was going to be better. And I, they actually still can improve on the overtime rules that are there now, but certainly they're better than, they w- than what they were before. So like 4th and 15 is way better. Like way better. It's not even close than the current onside kick rules. And if you have to fix it at some point down the line, fix it as you go. Very fru- very frustrating. I bet you that the teams that I don't even know if they took a vote on it, like because I saw on Twitter like they they did quote unquote sixteen sixteen. Oh, really? Sixteen to sixteen. Yep, like, that's it, what wasn't even, said. it wasn't even close then. Because what do they need? Twenty four? Is it? Yeah, seventy five percent. So yes, twenty four seventy five percent of oh the thirty two hundred. So yeah, eight 24. teams off. Oh, awful. It's all teams apparently. With, it seems with shitty quarterbacks that that voted no on that is what happened. Apparently that was more than last year though, so it got like more votes than it, or it has in the past. Or it's, it's gained more traction, so maybe it'll happen next year or something as they flesh it out more. But yeah, it should they should just give it a try because why not? I mean, it would be it would be terrible for Corey Graham, but obviously he's no longer around. So here's the way I pose this: like, let's say let's say the fourth and fifteen rule was always just the rule that was in place, and then somebody proposed <laughs> somebody proposed like this onside's kick rule. People would be like, get, get out of here. <laughs> like, that, that would be zero to 32. Yep. You know what I mean? The people are just opposed to it because it's change. They're just opposed to any kind of change, mm-hmm. is the way I read that. The last thing I have here, Jimmy, is Joe Flacco signed with the Jets last Friday, signed for $1.5 million. There was also some talk out there that I think from Adam Kaplan that the Eagles actually wanted to sign Joe Flacco back in leading up like before the draft which is interesting mm. to think about a, a whole timeline like where may, they maybe sign him and don't draft Jalen Hurts at 53 yeah. and uh obviously you know I think that his neck injury is a deterrent and apparently now 
Flacco was saying he is not going to be ready for week one. So that's a factor in there. And I understand that. But that aside, like the fact that he only signed for $1.5 million, and I'm seeing Andy Dalton sign for $3 million, and I'm seeing Jameis Winston sign for $1.1 million, and I see Cam Newton is still on the market and it's a buyer's market and it's not like he's going to be you know in a position to demand a ton of money. This whole nonsense that I've seen touted by fans, so I'm calling out the fans here to some extent, where like... Yeah, these these jerk fans that listen to us and support us that I'm actually very appreciative of. I thought, I thought um, this was the positive podcast, by the way. I know, it is, but I, I had to bring this up. Where, like, oh, it's too expensive to sign a backup quarterback. Like, it's going to cost a ton of money. Because I saw a lot of that. And it isn't only just the fans, Jimmy. This is... And now while Howie Roseman didn't, like, explicitly say this himself, he 100%, or if not him, the Eagles front office, if you want to put it in a collective leaked this out to Eagles or sorry to national reporters because the day after the Jalen Hurts pick so that Saturday morning day three of the NFL draft I was watching Mike Gar- 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 <laughs> why can't I say his name Mike Garofalo I think it's, I Ian, think it's just Garofalo Garofalo yeah Ian not, it's not Garofalo like Jimmy Garofalo <laughs> okay that's fair <laughs> um and then Adam Schefter like all these guys even Chris Mortensen probably like I was watching the broadcast and all of these guys made the same point <laughs> at some point that like well it's actually smart that the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts because now they have more cap space to spend on other positions because they don't have to spend it on a backup quarterback like that is such garbage I know Jalen Hurts is signed to a rookie deal and he is cheap and I know that it's a little bit different in the sense of like Okay, you're signing Andy Dalton for one year, three million, but then you know he's only under contract for that one year. And I know there's other factors in play, like Dalton wanted to stay in Dallas, or because he's you know from the area and whatever, and the coronavirus. So I get there's like other factors here, but this nonsense that like it's just too expensive to sign a backup quarterback, especially this year when it was so apparent that it was like a buyer's market because there was an like unprecedented amount of free agent quarterbacks compared to the actual like jobs that were available for them like this was my point all along that like I just don't understand it like seemed like it made less sense than ever to take a quarterback when you could just sign one yeah I agree I mean <laughs> we've we've sort of uh thoroughly bashed the selection of not not the player the player is fine but the, the mm-hmm. selection of of Jalen Hurts uh after the draft but yeah I'm with you I agree that uh resources were better spent on a cheap backup quarterback cheap veteran backup quarterback who can still you know, win you a game here that or if, if Carson Wentz goes down, then to spend a second round pick on a guy that is going to give you nothing uh, in 2020, more than likely, and uh, probably nothing as long as Carson Wentz stays healthy. So, um, yeah, with you there. The one thing I will, one thing I wanted to also, uh, so like when you mentioned Schefter and uh, Garofolo and Mortensen, and they all kind of tweet out the same thing within like a half hour or something like that. I always find that funny. I remember there was one year. There was a guy that the Eagles signed at some point during the offseason. I believe it was before training camp began. I guess the PR guy at the time was probably, it was still uh, Derek Boyko. And uh, Derek <laughs> made the mistake of, of saying that, you know, like he explained to, uh, like in the, te- in the text group, that, yeah, this guy's probably just like a camp body. Um, but he was, you know, he's just being honest with the media. It, it was the media's, like, obligation, not obligation, but... It was understood that they should probably like not use the word camp body. Like it was just, mm. it was just kind of saying like what the signing was, but like you know you put it in your own words or whatever. And then like ten people tweet out at the same time. Eagles signed so and so. He's a camp body. Oh man. 
<laughs> they all said cat body. And then thereafter, Derek was very, very careful about, you know, sort of, um, uh, I guess, uh, given his opinion of, <laughs> like, what, what uh, you know, what his opinion of, like, each roster transaction. Uh, right. pretty, that pretty much stopped thereafter. But it was funny because, like, 10, you know, or more reporters all called this poor guy, who I, I forget who it was. I'm going to have to maybe look that up and so or but they all called this guy a camp body. <laughs> and he most assuredly saw that, I would think. Uh, so anyway, good times. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to say on, on Hertz, um, and, I, and I am really curious who that player was, by the way. This is from Dave Spadaro. He wrote this in a column recently. Uh, after Carson Wentz at quarterback, how does the depth chart play out? It's very likely that Knight, Knight Sudfeld will be the number two with Jalen Hurts in a developmental role in his rookie season. So it, that's nothing, again, groundbreaking like, as of what we talked about of our expectations on the podcast. But I just thought that was interesting that Spadero kind of putting that out there on the Mothership website, kind of like tampering down the uh, the Hurts expectations. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy? Sorry, I'm just looking on Twitter for this camp body tweet. <laughs> Yeah, I can't think of who that is. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was it was like a nobody player probably got cut pretty soon after. But uh, yeah, I can't find it. It's gonna be it's gonna be too far back, I think, to find them. Okay, this is going back like seven, eight years probably. But no, I don't have any final thoughts uh, other than uh, my Mario Kart game is uh, becoming top notch, my friend. You're still playing with yourself. Oh, though. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that someone could just take what I just said and make that a drop in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think someone and should I'm do like, that. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I think I might myself. do that. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a way to end the show. Um, this has been BGN Radio, episode one. Oh, so my final thought is d- check out the podcast I did, if you haven't already, with uh, Dr. Edwin Porras from Fantasy Points. Thought I had a good conversation with him about Carson Wentz and injury-prone and everything. And uh, some other players on the roster, too. We talked about Deshaun and Alshon and some other injury-related things. So definitely go check that out. To, in, it should be in your feed. And if you didn't listen to it, maybe it's because you didn't subscribe to BGN Radio. So you should be doing that. You should also be you know, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Do it more so then I don't have to be the one, you know, shamelessly plugging ourselves here. Uh, follow, no, just kidding. I'll still do it anyway. Follow BGN underscore radio on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Read his work at Philly Voice. Read mine at Bleeding Green Nation. Also check me out at cameo.com slash Brandon Lee Gowton for these insane videos that I will make for you. I think that's all for now. We will be back next week to talk to you about some Eagle stuff. I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be something. So until next time. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.